0: another unexciting episode of Hashtag Pistons. I'm Joe, I'm your host, and uh, uh, before we get into um, the actual actual basketball, because that's going to be a little bit depressing to be honest, um, just start off by saying, so I've said this a dozen times before I know, but believe me, it's actually happening this time. Um, so we finally got it all set up so that I can just post the podcast myself. I don't have to send it to a guy who's in Australia and then him put it up at a different time and just kind of screw everything up. I can just do it myself. Hopefully everything goes smoothly with this one. And so we should be on a regular schedule now going forward. So that's positive. Um, and so then the next thing is before I get into sort of the greater nuancedness of the last three games in particular and how poorly they've gone um, I want to make something clear because I've often been accused of you you don't you don't you don't criticize the team enough you don't do this enough okay it doesn't matter who the pistons played how little rest they had etc 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 right in the end, no matter what good reasons there may have been, no matter what legitimate excuses there would be, getting blown out on three straight games is just not good enough. Okay? Like, we can just get that out of the way. So even though I'm going to go on and I'm going to say in this, you know, where there's this that makes me not feel as bad about it or anything, when I say not as bad about it, that's like, I. you start off from pretty bad when you get blown out in three straight games. Like, there's no way around that. I don't care if the Pistons had gone from Golden State to Houston, then to Toronto. You know, literally play the three best teams in basketball right now, and they get blown out in all of them. It you can't have that happen. There's just there's no way. If you're trying to be a team that's actually competitive, which the Pistons obviously are, um, there's just you can't have that happen. So I just wanted to preface everything I'm about to say with that it's not good enough, and stuff has to change, so I'm not suggesting that, oh, everything's fine, this is not fine, that's bad, I just, I'm not, I there. I just saw enough that I'm not sure that I'm, um, I don't Um, know, I saw, I think that they're making progress on offense and some other things, okay, so, all right, we'll get into that more later, I think they're making some progress enough that I'm not in total, like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, but, I just want to make it clear up front, it's not good. That's not really acceptable. Um, That's the sort of stuff that makes you think, you know, I'm not not really at all on the fire Van Gundy train. I know a lot of people are, and that's fair. But, you know, that's the sort of thing that makes you think, I wonder if maybe he has lost the team, or I wonder if maybe some of these guys actually just don't give a rip, or I wonder if maybe this roster just isn't going to work together. Um, you know, I'm always big against, um, you know, using small sample sizes as anything anything other than, well, it's just a small sample size, you have to look at the hole, okay? When it's three games and you get blown out in three straight games, and especially when you're not, like, just completely decimated by injuries. So, like, let's just say, okay, let's just say over the All-Star break, so Reggie Jackson's still hurt, and then over the All-Star break, Blake and Andre both, you know, roll their ankle a little bit so they miss these three games on their back, okay, that'd be like, all right, <laughs> it happens, but they're not like that. Reggie Jackson's out, and that hurts him immensely, which we've talked about before, we'll probably talk about more later in this, but you're, you've got most of your guys. You can't get blown out like that. You got to at least be competitive, so yeah, so that's what we wanted to start off with. Um Now, now that I've said that, it's time to get into all of the excuses and all the reasons why I'm not panicking. <laughs> it's just, it's funny how that works out. Um, so I guess the main thing, so I'm just, just sort of like a general thing with the three games, okay? The Celtics game um, didn't worry me a ton initially just because it was like, so there is one thing that was an unfair criticism. A lot of people made a big deal about how the offense really struggled, particularly in that stretch in the third quarter. Was it the third quarter? I think so. In the third quarter, the Pistons' offense really struggled to get going at all. They went through, uh, I forget exactly how long, I think it was like a four- or five-minute stretch where they didn't score at all, and people were like, ah, they're not running sets, totally unacceptable, this, that, and the other thing. That's actually a pretty unfair criticism. Um, The Pistons have had offensive troubles all year. We know this. Uh, Their best offensive player now, Blake Griffin, is still getting adjusted to some things. They're playing Ish-Smith. Etc. 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 And they're playing against a legitimately great defensive team in Boston. Um, Boston has done that to an awful lot of teams this year. The Golden State Warriors once failed to score 90 points against the Boston Celtics. Like, <laughs> so that was something that was not a particularly fair criticism. I wasn't especially worried about that, and at the time I wasn't that worried about the defense because it was like I mean it was bad, but I was like eh, the. Celtics, they hit some shots and whatever. We You live with it, move on. The problem becomes then you turn around and play that Charlotte game and you get blown out, and there's nothing good about that. Um, the only sort of caveat is that the Hornets have not been um, th- as bad as their record for quite a while. Um, obviously, they started off the season really, really, really poorly, um, but they've actually been about is you know before the season people kind of figured they'd be a pretty good playoff team and then that then Nick Batum got hurt in the in the preseason against the Pistons ironically um and they started off what did they start off they started off really bad i don't remember exactly what it was but they've actually been playing um better ball recently um for the last really for the last several months, several months two months i'd say pri- we'll just say as a arbitrary cutoff point about the last two months they've been playing much better ball so you know but the, even with that they're not good enough that it's like oh uh, you'll you lose on the road and you lose you get blown out and what it was the second quarter they were down by 30 or whatever just no that's not that's not how that works you don't get a pass on that um and then last night's game um that's another one where you just say In a vacuum, no, I'm not uh, actually worried about getting blown out on the road by the Raptors with, you know, back-to-back third game in four nights because the Raptors are really good and they're especially really good at home. They've blown out a lot of teams at home. The reason why it's not okay is because you just got blown out by two other teams, and when you get blown out by two other teams, you'd hope that the team comes out and plays with a certain fire and desire that they don't get blown out again, and that's the reason it's a worry. Now, once again, I mean, the Raptors played a really good game, I thought, and because they do often, but it's just, you can't have that happen. So those are the three sort of greater things from those team games. Um, First things that's sort of more specific that I want to talk about is Blake Griffin and his use in the offense. Um, I've seen a lot of people complain about it. I actually think that that's one of the few things that um, I wouldn't complain a whole lot about as far as the, what the coaching staff has done. Um, I mostly I think they've pretty much made progress in the right directions and have continued to do so. Um, he's not just doing those awful isolation post-ups anymore. They're using him in the motion offense. They've even gotten him going as a role man in the pick-and-roll a lot more the last three games since the all-star break um he's taken less threes he only took three three two threes last night i think after taking a ton earlier on um the results are not always pretty right now because he spends so much time with so few shooters on the floor which you know that's maybe something that you can criticize the coaching staff for because they put so few shooters on the floor but just the basic point is they're moving they continue to move in the right direction with that um Here's the problem, though, okay, is that, so we could sit here and we could say, you know, well, they need more shooters, it's obvious, and it is fairly obvious, Blake Griffin would be doing much better if they had some frickin sh- more frickin' shooters on the floor when he's on the floor, offensively, but the problem is that lineups with Blake Griffin that don't feature Andre Drummond and Stanley Johnson, um, in particular Stanley Johnson, um, they don't defend at all, they haven't yet, and it's a small sample size. But they haven't defended at all, and they've gotten blown out badly for the most part. And now, the last night in the third quarter, when the Pistons, they just, they just com- kind of fell apart. They didn't execute on offense. They played sloppy defense, and the Raptors just started hitting everything. That's when they blew the game open. Um, before that stretch, the Pistons' starting lineup with no shooting was pretty much the only lineup that was being regularly used that actually had worked for the Pistons since the trade. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's not pretty, but this is the lineup that's actually not getting slaughtered every night. So you have to kind of keep running it out to an extent. And so within that, you kind of live with it, I suppose, is what the point is. Um, and when you take, when you put more shooters, they and I've, I've said this several times before, okay? I said this right after the trade, I think, that the struggle for the Pistons is not fitting Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond together. The problem is that with those two, now Andre Drummond continues to improve defensively, he may get to a point that he makes this easier. But for now, Andre Drummond is not like, you know, a world defender that single-handedly can make your defense sound, okay, right? He's very, very good. He's not quite to that point yet. Unless he gets to that point, they're at a spot where Griffin and Drummond can fit together. The challenge is going to be that with those two guys and sort of the holes that need to be filled, it's harder to have guys that are not two-way players on the floor, because if you have a guy who's not a good defender, your best two players are not going to be making up for tons of those mistakes. Andre Drummond can make up for some, Blake Griffin isn't. Um, Griffin could be a decent defender at some things, but he hasn't been particularly good so far with some specific things, but you know they're not going to make up for a huge amount of defensive defects. And then on the flip side, it's because of the fact that those two don't shoot, or, well, Blake Griffin's not a good shooter, at least he tries, but you know, on the flip side of the floor, it's harder to have a guy like Stanley Johnson who can't shoot at all, and that's what the challenge is going to be going forward, So that you need to be able to find guys who are two-way players to put around them because it's harder to get away with that. Um just because of the nature of the sort of guys they are. And that's the challenge with any team is that, you know, once you sort of have your two or three guys, whatever it is, you need to find role players to back them up that fill the right holes that those guys struggle with and complement them. For the Pistons, you know, so, okay, so like when you think back to the Heatles, um, just as an example, the, the challenge was finding guys who could just shoot threes so essentially get out of the way of LeBron and um Dwayne Wade and who could also defend the guys in between there right it's the same sort of problem and they struggled with that for a bit until they got Shane Battier Mario Chalmers had a few good years there too etc um you know so they figured it out obviously but that's the challenge for the Pistons and they haven't really been able to figure it out so far and you know that's a problem. Obviously, you can argue about you know it's understandable that they're having trouble with that because it is understandable that they're having trouble with it. But um, it's it it is a problem whether it's whether you want to put too much blame on the coaching staff or not because it's a hard problem to have an, an It's not an easy answer for sure, but they have not found it yet. That's most definitely true. Um, I actually had this set up to be later in the show, I guess, but whatever. We'll say it now. Um, I personally am pretty much on board at this point with start James Ennis, move Stanley Johnson to the bench. Um, I think that would help both units quite a bit. I think James Ennis with the starting lineup it just makes more sense. He can shoot. Um, He's not as good a defender as Stanley, but he can still defend. And uh, then Stanley Johnson hopefully brings a certain sort of umph and energy to the bench with his ball handling and sort of phonetic defense. And beyond that I'm even fine with playing Stanley Johnson the starter level minutes still just I want James Ennis playing on the floor when both Drummond and Griffin are on the floor more that's just I think that's something that they should do they should do uh, that wouldn't fix any everything because Ish Smith is still in the starting lineup and Ish Smith is going to slaughter your half court offense we've <laughs> we've been through that before multiple times but you you kind of just have to live with that for now because there's not probably not a better option beyond that um so yeah I mean I think that the offensive progress with Blake has been good um people complain about that now maybe they're not making as much progress as they should have maybe they haven't put him in enough sets as they should have etc cetera, etc cetera, okay those are arguments that you can make and they're you know I'm not sure how much I'd agree with them but they're fair arguments for sure um, the one thing you can't say, though, is that they have not, you know, they just they don't know how to use Blake. They clearly know how they want to use him, and I think that it's mostly in ways that they should be using him. Um, and they're moving it because they're moving in that direction. They've s- continued to move in the direction where Blake looks more comfortable and is being used in better ways on offense, um, even if the results have not always been there. Uh, the problem is that they haven't been able to get it all the way in and such, so it has been moving a little bit slow. And then whether or not it's too slow for you or not is just kind of what your expectations are and whatnot. And that's kind of up to you. So you can argue that they're not going fast enough, but they're definitely moving in the right direction there. Um, second thing I want to mention is Reggie Bullock. So it is well documented. I love me some Reggie Bullock. He's my man. Um, here's the thing, though. So they've tried to use him with the ball in his hands more lately. Uh, especially out of the All-Star break. They've given him quite a few dribble handoffs and such since the All-Star break. Um, They'd started that before. In particular, they'd started to try and get him the ball more um, after they lost that first Hawks game. Um, Stan Van Gundy was very, 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 very frustrated about that in the post-game press conference, and he (laughs) he was quite vocal about his frustration with it. And so he turned around and he... And they, they they basically started to give some of the same offense that they had been running for Avery Bradley to Reggie Bullock. He's really struggled with that. Um, he's, first off, he does not have a especially tight handle, so he struggled to dribble and such, which was a problem with Avery Bradley too. But he's also really struggled with the sort of pull-up looks and in-between looks. He struggled a bit with decision-making. Um... It was worthwhile to look at. Honestly, it may be worthwhile to just keep trying it, at least until Reggie Jackson comes back, because I don't know that they've got a whole lot of better options, to be honest. But it is, it's definitely been mixed results. Um, He's kind of in the same boat as Luke Kennard, where when you use them as sort of purely complimentary and off-ball, Reggie Bullock has looked absolutely killer. Luke Kennard has had games where he's looked absolutely killer, but when the Pistons are trying to put the ball in their hands more and sort of run offense for them more. So not just as an off-ball player. Like, we're running plays for you. The results have been pretty mixed. With Kennard, it's less of a he's not hitting those in-between shots. It's that he just makes dumb decisions sometimes where he passes it to the other team or dribbles way further than he should or whatever. But it's the same end result, though. They both have had some very mixed results out of that. So... Um, with Kennard I'd be more okay with it because at the very least he's he's shown that he's, you know, confident enough that he can hit those uh, mid range shots and also he's going against um bench units, so that's easier to do. But with both of them you can understand if they go away from them a little bit more. And especially with Reggie Bullock, I'd be I'd be okay if they pretty much just put him purely in an off ball role and hopefully try and run plays for him still, but just have it be off ball. I don't need the ball in his hands much more. Um, but I'm with that said, if they keep doing it, I mean, it's hard to blame them too much just because of the fact they don't have a lot of good offense for a lot of good options for offense other than, Hey Blake, go pull your way through multiple defenders or Andre go pull your way through multiple defenders or Stanley Johnson, go pull your way through multiple defenders. So, um, if they keep doing it until Reggie Jackson comes back, I can live with it, but I just, I'd be okay if they stopped. Um, the other development is that it looks like Jameer Nelson is done, Dwight Bikes is the backup now, and, um, judging what some of the beat writers said, they mentioned that um, Stan Van Gundy was really kind of, um, he he was not super hard on bikes, he was very much so in sort of teacher mode, and they were like, this, I'd be... Several guys made overtones, that they're pretty sure that he's going to be the backup until Reggie Jackson comes back. Sam Van he's just pretty much decided, you know what, no one has really worked at the backup point guard spot consistently since it, Reggie Jackson got hurt, which is absolutely true. Um, we're just going to roll with bikes the rest of the way, and hopefully we can get something out of it. And for what it's worth, I think that's the right call. Um... Whether the three options really are and I some people are like who play Stanley Johnson at the back point guard minutes. And you could. I wouldn't be totally against it. It'd be interesting, but I don't trust his handle enough to really um actually just go, there's no actual point guard on the floor, to be honest. Um so really your options are Bikes, Galloway, or Nelson. Um Nelson uh he really didn't play well in the games he played here. He only played five, but he shot like absolute crap, um, which wouldn't have held up. If they played him, if they continued to play him, he would have started to hit shots at some point. Let me just be clear about that. He would not have, he shot like 10%, below 10% from three in the five games he played. He would not have shot that poorly. He's been a really good shooter his entire career, but they just didn't really have time to let him shoot himself into rhythm, so... And then on the flip side, he's, bit, he's terrible defensively. And they knew that, I and mean, we all knew that coming in. He was not going to be a good defender. But, you know, so anyways, you've got really uneven results from him on offense, and he's a bad defender. Galloway is a little bit hit or miss on offense. He's a decent defender. He also doesn't do a lot of the basic point guard stuff. Um, so even beyond just the fact that he personally is a little bit inconsistent with his offense, um, the greater offense with just with him being the point guard, can suffer just because you don't really have anyone who can do that, who can really get that penetration and such that you want out of your point guard. Then Bikes, um, he's a little bit hit or miss on offense too. He Sometimes the shots fall. He has a tendency to get a little over um, overzealous trying to get to the hoop and get blocked and stuff like that and miss tough shots, and he's not a very good passer, doesn't have great vision. But I'd go with Bikes because, first off, But at the very least, he's really aggressive getting into the paint. He's going to attack. And then the second thing is that I think Bikes is definitely the best defender out of that group. I've really been impressed with his defense. So even if his offense is off, at the very least, he gives you a chance on defense. And so, yeah, that's honestly, that's probably the the main thing is that I look at those three and I say, Either way, it looks like you're going to get incons- inconsistent offense. I'm going with the guy that's going to give me defense every night. And so far, I think Bikes has been the guy who's proven that he's going to do that. So I'd go with Bikes. So that's the right call. Nelson was worth looking at. He didn't play well. Don't have time to let him play himself into shape. Not into shape, into comfort levels that are acceptable. Whatever it is, you don't have time to let him just get right. He They need to be right now. So right play to have bikes go. Um, And then here's sort of the other thing that I've kind of thought at this point with the sort of greater offense is... So, if you're going to stick with, more or less, a lot of minutes going to lineups that have no shooting, which, once again, that's the lineup that's actually worked, which is bizarre, Um, I'm tempted to say something that... I'm not very prone to, but because I'm—I was a big fan of the sort of motion offense. I was a big fan of, you know, I don't want the ugly post-ups, ugly isolations, and such. But when I go back and I look at the first few games that the Pistons played, there's part of me that feels like they should maybe just say, "Screw it, we're stuck with a roster from 1999. A lineup, at least some lineups from 1999 for a while. We're just gonna party like it's 1999." And just say, screw it. Blake Griffin, you're just going to post up like a dozen times a game and you're just going to have to bull your way through people and hopefully you hit shots. Andre, you're just going to have to stand in the paint and just tough out some rebounds. We're just going to, you know, just basically screw it. We're not going to even pretend that we can shoot threes. We're not even going to pretend that we can do anything other than just try and bull our way to inefficient points and play defense like crazy. And, And I don't know. It wouldn't be pretty to watch. Obviously, but there's part of me that's starting to lean towards that maybe being the best option, um, just because of the fact that I know the very least until Richie Jackson comes back. Even if you put like even if you put Luke Kennard in the starting lineup, you're not with Ish Smith out there. You're not going to have a lot of shooting, right? And I kind of feel like if you're going to go with that, and especially if that's the lineup that's working. I'd be tempted to say, screw it. We're not going to run the motion offense because it largely doesn't work because no one defends anybody, because no one can shoot. You can't run motion offense without good spacing, really. And so screw it. We're going to just post up Blake. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a heavy workload on Blake. It's going to be hard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's part of me that thinks, as much as that won't be pretty for his final stat line and his efficiency, um, Maybe that's the best thing for the team. Uh, the good news is that Reggie Jackson now has supposedly a somewhat um, definitive. They have set a time frame where they hope he's back by, which would be I think what it's like another couple weeks. By their he and he said they're thinking he will be back at least by the West Coast trip, which is March starts March thirteen in Utah, so. They would have, if that was the case, they'd have one, two, three, four, five, six more games without Reggie Jackson. And (laughs) if they lose all six of them, then it will be a moot point because they'd be all the way out of the playoffs already. But I think there's there's a part of me that thinks maybe just do that. Just play caveman ball. Do what the Cavs did against the Warriors the first time they played each other in the finals. Like, they just said, look... We, we can't run out anything other than this because of injuries and, you know, whatnot. So we're just, you know, it's not going to be pretty for LeBron's efficiency, but we're just going to post him up every single time and use him as a human battery and RAM and hope that we can just muck up the game and make it work. And they took the game to six series. So Six series. They took the game to six series. They took the series to six games. So... I don't know if it would work, but there's part of me that thinks maybe they should do that at least for the time being. Um, the bigger problem the last three games, though, than the offense has been the defense. There's really no question about that, um, and there's a few different things that work there. Part of it is no, there's no other way to look at that. I mean, teams have just been shooting really well from three. Um, they played three teams. They've shot, I mean the Raptors have been shooting great from three all season. Um, the Hornets have perked up in that department lately. and the Celtics have not been as good most of the year, but they've got guys who can shoot, obviously. Um, You know, that's something that's, there's at least part of that that's just bad luck. But the bigger issues, there's some scheme things, but the main two things, I think, are, first off, Blake Griffin is just not going hard enough to close out on the shooters. He does some really good stuff defensively. There's no doubt about that. I think he can be a plus defender, but, He's really struggled to close out on shooters, and it's been a problem. Um, and a lot of it is effort, and that's what's frustrating in particular. Now, part of it is also that the scheme the Pistons run is pretty different from what the Clippers ran. Um, the Clippers would generally have DeAndre Jordan, in particular, stay back much more, which meant that Griffin could afford to loaf a little bit more, basically, because, well, DeAndre's back there. He can cover for me. Um Andre Drummond spends a lot more time chasing guys out on the perimeter, which is good. It's a good use of him because he can do it. But that also means that Blake Griffin has less sort of opportunity to just sort of loaf around and, you know, not really pay attention because Andre Drummond's often not in the paint to cover for him. And it's not always been easy for him. And so there's part of it that's just, well, he'll get better as he gets more comfortable because there's some of the plays where it's just, It's not necessarily a matter of effort. It's just by the time he sees hit the rotation he has to make, he's already a step late. But there are too many of them where it's just effort, and that's not good. Um, The other thing is that Ishmith is just too small and also too undisciplined. Um, There's a lot of plays where he just gets way out of position, which has always been kind of a problem with with him. Then beyond that, even when he gets into position, guys just shoot over him. Like, even not very large point guards shoot over him a lot. And then obviously if he has to make a rotation, to where he's trying to close out on a like a wing player who's a shooter, he obviously he's not gonna do anything to bother those guys. And then to make matters worse, he tries to overcompensate for his size and he fouls three-point shooters a lot, which is hugely frustrating. So there is something there one thing that I will say about the scheme. So a big part of it is that the Pistons need to play with better effort. And that's also kind of part of the problem, is that the scheme requires high effort pretty much all the time. And as much as Stan Van Gundy and every coach everywhere can just sit there and say, well, we got to play effort. That's what we can control. Guys aren't going to play with 100% effort every single possession of every single game. You just, it doesn't happen, you, they die. You know, you that's how you run people into the ground. And so within that, I just kind of, I feel like they could maybe dial it back a little bit. Um, I've touched on this before, I know, but yeah, so that's that. Um. The last thing, I guess, next game is going to be against the Bucks. The Bucks have been playing really well recently, which is a little bit worrying because <laughs> there's a chance that the Pistons have yet another game where they just play against a team that's firing on all cylinders, and it's a buzzsaw. But here's the good news. They'll be in their third game in four nights, second night of a back-to-back with travel. The Pistons will finally be at home again, which will be nice. But excuse me. Um, so those things are nice. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a game you got to win um, first off just for the fact that you know they're at a point where they need to win games they can't just keep losing they'll be out of the playoffs but also just for the sort of psyche and morale of the team got to win that and then you know if they could do this which there's a chance they would be they would turn things around really 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 quickly okay so, you get Milwaukee, you're at home, 3rd they're on their third game in four nights, and and second night of a back-to-back, okay? So, Milwaukee's a good team, they're playing really, 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 really well, but here's the thing, first off, they're really weak inside, we know this, Andre Drummond has given them problems time and time again, now the Pistons have two guys who can do that, so there's first good news, right? So, Pistons match up pretty well with them, and the Pistons will be better rested, so Let's just say Pistons win that game, which hopefully they do, okay? Then you go to Orlando. Orlando sucks. They're not trying to win anymore. You better be able to win that. And then you're once again on the second night of a back-to-back third game and four nights for the Pistons, which is absurd, by the way, that the Pistons are playing, will be playing six games in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, six games in ten nights, which is absurd. I don't know how that ended up happening, but. Whatever, okay? So the Pistons will be very tired, but Miami's been playing really, really, really poorly for a while now. And also remember, Miami is the team that the Pistons are primarily chasing for that last playoff spot. So all in all, if they can come out and they win those games, right, let's just say that's what happens. Um, let's see. Here. They'll, be, they'll, have, they'll be on a of rest off of that going into that game too. Um, but so let's just say that happens. Pistons win three straight, one of them over the team that they need to catch. That turns things around, and then they've only got three games against, um, with rest in between each day, against Cleveland, <laughs> Toronto, and Chicago. So you should be able to at least beat Chicago there. you probably lose to Cleveland and Toronto. And then Reggie Jackson comes back. I think that's kind of what the plan has to be. You've got to win. You've got to win these next three. Not got to, but... You have, you, should be, you have to be able to take—we'll just say you have to be able to take at least two of those three. Every one of those games should be winnable. Um, Milwaukee's very good, but they're not rested. Orlando sucks, and Miami, you know, they haven't been played as well recently and also should be tight because they both know they're competing for the playoff spot. You're losing to Cleveland. You're probably losing to Toronto. Turnaround beat Chicago. Then you're probably one or two games back from the eighth spot, I would guess. I that's mean, purely hypothetical because I have no idea what the Miami Heat will be playing like in that stretch. Then you get Reggie Jackson back, which admittedly, the downside is that you get Reggie Jackson back for a pretty brutal West Coast trip where the only two teams you play that are bad are Phoenix and Sacramento, and you're playing those two teams on a back-to-back. So, <laughs> Uh, they've got a tough, record-wise, it's not so bad, but they've got a tough schedule down the stretch. Um, But I think if you do that, you you give yourself a chance, and that's what you have to hope for, I think. So that's that. Um, You guys all stay beautiful, and uh, go Pistons.